0: Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Morning, everybody. Morning, if you're watching online, welcome to you again as well. Uh, You've joined us on week three of our series, Summer Jams, those songs that we'll listen to on the airplane when we go on holiday, or maybe on a car trip if we're going camping uh, or something of the sort. I love a summer jam. In fact, a whole bunch of my life is spent listening to music, as I'm sure many of yours are as well. I'll get up, and I'll speak to the Alexa that we have in the household, and it'll start playing a Spotify playlist. I'll get to work, uh, and I'll put my headphones on. I'll be listening to music whilst I'm at work. Uh, On the way back, I'll stick the radio one I'll be listening to music there and even when I go to sleep I actually go to sleep listening to music as well I have one problem with summer jams though when it comes to it uh, and that's often around the lyrics because I never really make an effort to learn the lyrics when I'm listening to songs there'll often be times where I'll hear something and I'll think Is that really just what they said? And I'll find out that I've been singing the lyrics or thinking of the lyrics wrong all of my life. And so to settle a bit of a self-esteem issue, um, I went on Instagram this week and I put out on a story. I said, can you send me all of the things that you mishear as well? And so what I've tried to do is compile some of them, some of them that I've sort of heard, some that um, other people have sent me as well. And I want to see if you can hear um, some of the misheard lyrics that other people have been hearing. So here's one of them. Here's the song, first of all. We want to know this one. one So that's Whitney Houston who sings uh, that song, but uh, it's hard to work out whether it's about relationships or insect bites. Can you hear it? It's not just me. She's definitely singing about bee stings there. I have no idea what she's singing about otherwise. And it's, she's not the, uh, I mean, she does other songs where it's also really hard to hear what she says. Uh, Whitney Houston, or Whitney Houston, if you're from Suffolk, um, uh, she often gets um, confused with Radio 2 breakfast presenters. Listen to this. I'm Terry Wogan. Mm, not sure if you are. I'm not sure if you are, to be honest. Um, Adele is another one. Adele. Um, I always thought Adele, oh sorry, no, we'll go to Adele in a minute, but Michael Jackson first is a really good one. Michael Jackson, king of pop. King of pop. Did you even realize though that his song, Man in the Mirror, is actually about facial hair? Listen. Here we go. All about moustaches. Adele, I always thought Adele was a lovely person when you see her on TV and the rest of it. Uh, Until I heard this song, I was absolutely taken back. Listen to this. (laughs) Poor Lorraine. I mean, it worked out for some people because some people can now see clearly now Lorraine is gone no okay i'll remove that one then um the the modern artist anne marie as well well known for washing animals it turns out Talking about showering horses, literally have no idea what she's talking about otherwise. Finally, this is one of my favourites, this is one that was sent in to me. Um, uh, This is from Selena Gomez who sings a song um, and I didn't realise until I heard this that it was impossible to eat too many vegetables. Quite a revelation. (laughs) That got to number six. I love those. I love those songs where you listen to the lyrics and something pops out and you, like, you can tell the theme of the song and the rest of it and you hear something and you think, that just doesn't make sense. I mean, that just sort of sticks out for a moment. And we're in a series called Summer Jams where we're going to be looking at some songs uh, that were written maybe 3,000 years ago and compiled together. You find them right in the middle of this library that we call the Bible uh, and this book is called the Psalms. And they're written by various different authors. A lot were written by this guy King David or at least written for King David. Uh, and within these Psalms... I think that what we can often do, if you're a Christian or if you call yourself um, a Christian or if you're somebody who um, would have a faith, often what we do when it comes to the Psalms and in the Bible generally is what we can do is we can open it up and we can be victim of this thing called the lullaby effect. It's when we've heard something so often or heard something like something so often that we just sort of feel like we're expecting to read what we read or hear what we hear. And so when there's something that's supposed to stand out, we might often miss it. And so the psalm that we're going to be looking at today is a psalm, Psalm 8, they sort of go in order. Um, Psalm 8, uh, which was written either by King David or for King David. Uh, and when it's written, this is an amazing, amazing song with some amazing truths within it. But within it, I also think there are lyrics that we become victims to the lullaby effect. We'll go through it in a minute, and chances are many of us will miss it. But when we read it, if this came out now, many of us would put our hands up and be like, what does that even mean? I mean, that just doesn't even make sense. I mean, it's not quite farting carrots, but it's up there, I'm telling you. Uh, so let's go through the psalm now. This is what the psalm says. Lord, our Lord... How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praises of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Avenger not being the superheroes, just as a caveat. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind, that you are mindful of them, human beings that you should care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made uh, them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks and the herds and the animals of the wilds, the birds in the skies and the fish in the seas that all swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all of the earth. It's a really good question that this song poses. Right in the middle there, did you catch it? What is mankind that you should be mindful of them, human beings that you should care for them? It's a really good question. Have you ever thought of that before? Who are we? Who are we? In fact, if this song had a chorus, this would probably be it resounding over and over again. Who am I that God should think of me? In fact, this verse, when it talks about it, being mindful and caring for, these words could be translated maybe into remembering and visiting. It gives us this idea of when we're walking down a road and there's someone that we think so significantly of, it causes us to change our pathway, to go to a different route and to go up to the house, knock on the door and call them by name. There is an intimacy to this passage, this closeness, personalness to this passage and it asks the question, who am I? That God should think of me, when we think of this God who is overwhelming in power, in majesty, in grace, why is it? why is it that there would be a God who would want to come to human beings and display all of those things to us? I mean it really changes this idea for God for, for many of us, if we really took uh, in mind what this really meant for us. I mean, think about it for a moment. if do you really believe in a God? Who says that about human beings? Do you really believe that? It changes a whole lot. It changes this idea that when we get to heaven, we're going to be going into heaven. There's going to be a God that we've never really met before and is going to be looking down like Father Christmas. And he's going to be looking at this list of naughty and nice. And you might get ticked to say, go in or crossed out and saying, Go away. When we get to heaven, when we die and we approach God, what it should really look like is putting a face to a name, putting a face to a personality of whom we have known already, who we've already encountered. Here is a God that says, who are you that you would come up, you would change your direction, you would come up to my house, knock on my door and call me by name. And I think it's at this point where we can try and focus a little bit on a song lyric that I think if it came up now, maybe picked up on a thing. Does it really say that? Does it really say that? The verse I want to look at is verse two. If we can get it on the screen, that would be great. It says, through the praises of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Through the praises of children and infants, what this is talking about are like babies, toddlers, really. And when we read that, we, have, we are victim to the lullaby effect. We think, oh yeah, that sounds nice and bible but really think about that for a moment. Babies don't say anything. This word "praise" is like this telling of, communicating of. If you've got babies, if you've got children, you will know they don't really say anything. And when they do learn to speak, it's often loud and not particularly profound or anything like that. And yet it's babies and infants that are going to establish a stronghold against your enemies. I mean to pick this for a minute. Imagine 3,000 years ago you're in the nation of Israel, and it's Sunday morning, so you get ready for church. And you go up and you're sort of welcomed by the meet and greet team with the lanyards on. And you go through the doors and you come in and you're sort of welcomed in and you're sat down and you've got a cup of coffee. And you're there with the rest of the nation of Israel. And you're sitting down and the five before comes on. Um, or the Hebrew five before. I like to think it would be the uh, Hebrew five verse four. No? Okay. Never mind. The Hebrew five before comes on, the service gets ready, and the service starts. The lights come up, and King David enters the stage. King David comes up, and he says, Welcome, everybody, to the nation of Israel. Really glad you're here. A special welcome to those who haven't been before. Uh, If you're from a different nation, we're we're a nation in which unchurched nations want to be part of, or something like that. And he says all of those different things. And he says, To start off, we're going to sing a song. So he pulls out his guitar, and he starts off by singing. He's like, Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. You set the glory in the heavens. And all the Hebrews are sort of there, being like, oh, "I like this one. This one's good. Not too loud, not too quiet. It's good. I like it. I like it. Good tune, good vibe." As so we goes back to verse one, "O oh Lord, our oh Lord, how majestic is your name? You set the glory in the heavens." And some of the Hebrews at this point are like, "Hmm." Some are like, "Hmm." And it's really big. And so some of the Hebrews are getting used to it. And then they're at the point of thinking, what is so miraculous? What is so uh, majestic? What is so good? What's going to tell of the glory in the heavens? And then David sings along the lines of, you're so majestic that children tell it best. Like, you're so good that babies sing the words in which it may cause our enemies to be so scared. Our enemies that want to come and kill our families, they're so scared because of what our babies say. And then people are standing there like, that doesn't really fit with the tune. (laughs) Or some are sitting there being like, did he just say babies? Like babies, really? Like babies can't tell of anything. Like literally, they can't say of anything. And I think that's the point. Because when you imagine a child, when you imagine a baby, what can a baby do other than lie there and be loved? And I think for some of us, some of us, it's such a big point, but it's one that we miss so often. How many of us fall into the trap of assuming it's what I've got to do, it's what I've got to do, it's what I produce, it's what I produce, it's how I behave, it's how I behave, it's what I read, it's what I read, it's, I read, it's how I pray, it's how I pray. And we get into this idea that it's only what we do that's going to allow us to be close to God. And God's saying, no, 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 before anything else you've got to realise that it's the babies that have it right. It's the babies that can lie there and just depict depict their father depict their mother depict their parents it's the baby that can lie there and be loved that shows everybody who i am you've got to be like the baby and jesus says this later on he's saying uh, it's like the children who come to me they're the people that are going to inherit the kingdom of god it's this idea of these people know they have it sorted they haven't been uh, infected by this idea that somehow we need to earn something And this whole song is almost about that. It's almost like saying, hey, listen, if you want to try and get close to the God of the universe by what you do, I mean, you can try, but God is so flipping big, so flipping majestic, so brilliant, so wonderful, that even when you try, I mean, you're not even going to get close to this sort of thing. You're not even going to get close. Babies just lie there and be loved. They lie there and be loved. I think we've got to try and change our mindset for a while. I mean, maybe a helpful picture is something that you might think of when you're in the playground at school. Think about when you're in the playground at school and there is a a fight going on, maybe from a a kid from an older year group to a kid from a younger year group, and the older kid comes up and there is nothing that the younger kid can do at all. In fact, they just sort of sit there and think, okay, well, I'm going to get a beating here. And so that phrase that we sort of use as comedy now is, well, my dad's bigger than your dad. And we look at that and we think, okay, well, that's a bit ridiculous. But I think as Christians... If you're someone who calls themselves a Christian or someone uh, who uh, has a faith, you need to start recognising that when it comes to the problems of life, when it comes to the big things that intimidate us, we might need to stop trying to just do things and act as if it relies on us or act as if it just relies on us and start praying like it relies on God. Some things within our lives, we've got to stop just bringing our problems to God, but also bringing God to our problems and saying, my God is bigger than you. Babies. They lie there and be loved. What does this say about God? It says that God made you to be loved. He made you to call you his own. What type of God? Who are you that you would call mankind, uh, or uh, be mindful of uh, mankind? Who are you that you should care for them? A God who calls us his own. A God who calls us your own. Here's the takeaway, here's something that I think that we need to remember, something that we need to repeat in our mind over and over and over again, is this, when you know your maker, you know who you are made to be, when you know your maker, you know who you are made to be, when you think of that baby, that child again, often they lie there and they be loved, but they also depict something, there's also a likeness about them. When you think of a baby, when you think of a child, a healthy child, a healthy child is someone that really says nothing about the child itself. I mean, a baby can't clean itself. A baby can't look after itself. A baby can't wash itself or encourage itself. A sign of a healthy child is often a sign of a healthy parent. Your health, your spiritual health, your health in life, and not just physically, but spiritually, uh, and I think emotionally as well, will often depict where you are with your heavenly Father. Because when you know your maker, you know who you were made to be. We depict something greater. I think for some of us, maybe it's uh, something along the lines that you grew up in a household with parents. You grew up in a household with parents who maybe maybe even unintentionally, put a shadow over you that suggested that your love, your worth, the encouragement that they were going to give was all going to be based on what you could achieve, on what you could do. And somehow when it's come to this idea of faith, or maybe you're exploring faith and this is burdened over you, that you've come to God and being like, well, is God the same? That if I do this, if I get on a mission trip, if I pray, if I do all of those things, then will I be close? And that's the idea. And God is saying, no, that is such a skewed idea before anything else. Lie there and be loved, lie there and be loved and just reflect me, reflect me. The things that we do, we don't do to earn God's grace. The things that we do are there to reflect God's grace. The things that we do, we don't do to earn God's goodness, we just do them to reflect God's goodness. Not earn God's kindness, but to reflect God's kindness. We are literally there as mirrors as children and there is nothing you can do to take that away and we've got this skewed idea and what i would suggest what i would suggest is that somewhere along the line we've probably tried to tell ourselves some lies And so what I want to do is tell us uh, maybe three lies, and maybe you fit into all of these camps, maybe you fit into none of these camps, and this is just a helpful reminder. Maybe one of these camps is for you, and you need to start recognizing if this is you, or if you've thought this, or along the lines, you need to recognize today that this is a lie that you have either been told or picked up on. This is a lie that you may have picked up on. Lie number one, God's care for who you are is limited by what you do. Some of us live by that lie. God's care for me is limited by what I do. If I don't do, if I don't do, if I don't produce, if I don't produce. If that's you, the truth that you need to put in that place, the truth that you need to, you need to pick that up and you need to throw it away and in its place you need to put this instead, that you are a child of God who was born to be loved. That you're a child of God and when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you and think, oh yeah, but they did that today. Oh, they didn't do that today. They didn't do that today. They didn't do that today. Oh, they're not there yet. I mean, I was really expecting them to be there. God looks at you and he just smiles and he thinks, I know exactly who I made you to be. I know exactly. And all of the things you do does make God smile, but only if it's a reflection of that grace rather than to try and earn it. I mean, think of a family for a moment, how just disjointed that would be. If you are always living with that fear of, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, because eventually when it does break down, the family breaks down and separation occurs. And in reality, it's a relationship that was always tied on loose foundations to start with. Lie number one, God's care for you is limited by what you do. Lie number two is this, God's care for you is limited by what you have done. God's care for you is limited by what you have done. So in the same ways, number one, you need to remember that you are a child who was born to be loved. For this one, you need to remember that there was a child who was born to die and rise again. You need to remember that there was a child who was born in the complete likeness, completely filled, who was in every essence God and man, who was born, who raised a perfect life and decided to die for you. So that God's care for you is no longer limited by what you have done. For many of us, I'm sure, there will be ties to stuff that has happened, stuff that is going on, and you have believed a separate storyline, a storyline that was never supposed to define you, a storyline that was always um, there as part of a journey, but not one that was supposed to label you or people were supposed to look at you and put next to. None of those things are true. The idea of those things is that you can go through those things and God can be with you through it. And sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we get wrong and get it wrong. But God's care for you is not limited by those things because of what has already been done. Because there has been a child who was born to die and to rise again. Number one, God's care for you is not limited by what you do. And if that's you, you've got to remember, you're a child who's been born to be loved. Number two, God's care for you is limited by what you have done. And you need to remember that there was a a child who was born to die and rise again. Maybe this is your lie. Number three, there is nothing unique, special, significant about you. You have nothing to offer the world. If you go back um, uh, to a series uh, called GoPro uh, and click on, a, uh, click on the week that's a GoPro follower, you'll have a talk all about this. But the idea is this. When you think of a child, and as they grow up, they have likenesses towards parents, not just in looks, but in personality as well. They become like, particularly children who are close to their parents. I mean, dads who love cricket, they tend to love cricket. Um, uh, dads who um, go out camping, they tend to sort of have that outdoor nature. Um, musicians, like, all the sort of likenesses they get, mannerisms, uh, the way they sort of say things. My dad's here uh, today, and uh, we were talking just the other time about how we're sort of like each other in certain areas and not like other areas, uh, and, and so so. so forth. When we become close to God, we will recognise the unique, special, significant things about us that God implanted within us. Right at the very beginning of time in Genesis 1, God made man in his image, and it repeats it three times in a row. It's like God made man in his image. In his image, he made man and woman. In his image, he created them. It's like saying, listen, listen, listen. Before anything else, you need to recognise God implanted a image upon you, a likeness upon you. And when we get close to him, we recognize there are things that were born to be in you, that were just born to come out, were supposed to come out. And if you're suppressing those, if you're saying, no, that's just not me. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You've bought into a lie that this song goes against. And it's this idea that we need to know our maker so we know who we are made to be. Which lie do you buy into? Which lie do you buy into? And maybe it's time for you to know. When you know your Maker, you know who you are made to be. And the band are about to come up, and uh, we're going to sing our final song. But I want to just focus on this idea. When you know your Maker, you know who you are made to be. When we know that our Maker is a God who goes and looks to seek to care for the vulnerable, increasingly we will become people who look to go and seek to care for the vulnerable. When we know that there is a God, A God who looks to go and change the hearts of people, change the hearts of people who've lost who they were always supposed to be. We become people who share that mission with God. When we understand that our maker is a God who comes in peace, we are a people who go to other communities in peace, when we understand that our maker is a God who comes in and wades through the filth of our own making, we are people who go and wade into the filth of other people's making to help them out in spite of ourselves. When we understand that our maker, our God, is a God who comes down and picks us up like children, we are people who should be reflecting all the good things within us. When you know your maker, you know who you are made to be. So I want to go through that verse again. And so can we stand as we go into our final song, but let's just go through that verse one more time. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praises of children and infants, babies, toddlers, you have set a stronghold against your enemies that silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider the work of your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, what is mankind that you should be mindful of them, human beings that you should care for them? yet you have put them at a level just a little bit lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and crowned them with honour to rule over the works of your hands and you have set everything beneath their feet every flock, every herd, every wild animal all the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea that swim along the paths of the oceans O oh Lord, our Lord How majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com, where you can give financially, watch new content and see any details of events we have going on here at The Forge. See you next week.